0: Hello, everyone. I'm Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and it's my pleasure to introduce Brian Johnson, the CEO of Equality Illinois for this important discussion today. For over two decades, Brian has worked at the intersection of racial, economic, and LGBTQ plus justice, as well as education equality. He has served as a first grade teacher a public school leader, and remains a national champion for elevating the voices of teachers within our democracy. His accolades don't stop there. He's also the author of a critically acclaimed book on economic equality. Brian and his team are at the helm of our state's LGBTQ plus civil rights organization and have helped to shepherd the passage of two dozen laws and regulatory changes engaged tens of thousands of Illinoisans and advocated for the elevation of LGBTQ plus voices at every level of public sector decision making. I've had the pleasure of personally witnessing Brian's leadership, which is defined by sharp strategic thinking and a willingness to bring together diverse stakeholders to achieve inspiring transformational change. No doubt, Our city is a better place because of his leadership. I thank the City Club of Chicago for hosting this important discussion with him. And I'm excited for you all to hear how a more LGBTQ plus inclusive future benefits everyone. Thank you so much. And Brian, knock him down.
1: I am not even going to try to follow that. Brian, come on up.
2: Hello, thank you all for being here. Uh, you know it's true love when a bunch of gays will show up and eat carbs, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I want to thank Jackie, Dan, Amanda, the entire City Club team. What you all have done to take a 119 year old organization and keep it relevant to our discourse in Chicago is remarkable. Thank you. I want to acknowledge that we are gathered today on the unceded lands of native peoples, including the Miami, Ho-Chunk, Menominee, Sac, Fox, and the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Ottawa, and Potawatomi Nations. May our words and actions today honor their legacy. I would like to thank all the workers here at Maggiano's for making this possible, for serving us our food, and for making it a possible thing for us to convene here today. Before I start in earnest, I want to tell a little bit of a personal story about how the City Club of Chicago has played a central part in the lore of my own family. Four years ago, I had the great privilege of moderating the first ever conversation at the City Club on LGBTQ plus issues with some amazing luminaries. Some are here in the audience today. And at that time, I was so incredibly nervous. I was nervous because four days prior... The adoption agency my husband, Toby, and I were working with called us and said that there was a mother who had given birth to a child and she wanted to meet with us as potential prospective parents for that child. And she asked if she could come meet with or if we could meet with her on Tuesday afternoon, which happened to be immediately following the City Club lunch. (laughs) So I am here, I'm trying my best, and my mind is elsewhere. (laughs) So Toby and I sneak out. Afterwards, we go up to Evanston at the cradle, which was our adoption agency. We have a wonderful conversation with this woman. And at the end of that conversation, she says almost immediately, you are definitely the right parents for the child I gave birth to. Are you ready to become parents? And we said yes. And this is a picture of when Toby and I laid eyes on our daughter for the first time. (laughs) And if you look closely, it's the same exact shirt. I'm not lying at all. (laughs) The next day, Joey came into our lives. And now, four years later, this spitfire (laughs) makes our lives more colorful every single day. I want to begin my remarks today by telling you another story. The story of Albert Cashier. Albert Cashier served in Illinois' 95th Regiment during the Civil War. He fought in the heart of the Deep South in the Battles of Atlanta, Vicksburg, and Natchez, where thousands of soldiers died, but not Private Cashier. In fact, his lieutenant remarked about his bravery, courage, and patriotism during these terrible battles. After the war, he spent decades working odd jobs, even working for a state senator, and collecting a veteran's pension. In 1911, when he was 66 years old, he suffered a workplace injury and was sent to the Illinois Soldiers and Sailors' Home in Quincy. While living at this home, more of his identity was discovered. Albert Cashier had been assigned female at birth. (laughs) This revelation led to a series of articles written about him, and even sadly, to an investigation into pension fraud. Eventually, he was forced to move to an asylum, where he was forced to wear women's clothing. But months before he died, in 1915, a hospital physician took Cashier to a parade for union veterans, where the physician dressed him in his old union uniform And he walked proudly through the streets of Moline as his true self. You see, LGBTQ plus people have always been a part of the fabric of the city and state. Or, as my friend Raina Ortiz would tell you if she were not there, but up here, we have always been here. We are here and we will always be here the story of lgbtq plus equality can sometimes seem like a contemporary one it is the story of our social and cultural leaders showing what representation means on tv in movies in the public media it is the story of our sports and athletic leaders paving the way on the playing fields it is the story of our political leaders and civil rights victories leading the charge for full equality in the halls of power. Or maybe, if you've been around a while or are a student of history, the LGBTQ story may seem a couple of decades old. It is the story of the ancestors of our modern movement, like Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson. It is the story of our public actions in the 80s and 90s, demanding the government acknowledge our rights and recognize our dignity. It is the story of our civil rights leaders, like Art Johnston, who secured our wins and held politicians accountable for decades. But the thing is, LGBTQ plus people have been a part of the fabric of Illinois for as long as Illinois has existed. Ours is the story of trans people like Albert Cashier and the estimated 1,000 other trans men who fought in the Civil War. Ours is the story of feminist Frances Willard of Evanston, who led the powerful Women's Christian Temperance Union, which she grew to become the largest organization of women in the world by 1890. And her romantic attraction to women was only revealed when her young diaries were uncovered decades after her death. Ours is the story of Jane Addams, former City Club of Chicago member and the first American woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize who lived with the love of her life, Mary Rose Smith, for 40 years. Ours is the story of Alfred Finney, who hosted the famous Finney Halloween Balls in Bronzeville from the 1930s to the 1950s. At these balls, which were feted in national magazines like Ebony and Jet, drag was celebrated. You see, LGBTQ plus people have been contributing to the beauty and vibrancy and strength of Illinois for as long as we have been a state. But it's even more than that. Illinois has always been at the beating heart of the national movement for LGBTQ plus equality. Nearly a century ago, in 1924, Henry Gerber founded the nation's first gay rights organization, the Society for Human Rights, right here in Chicago. In 1961... Illinois became the first state in the country to decriminalize homosexuality with the adoption of the Model Penal Code. In 1970, Chicago was one of four cities to launch the very first Pride Parades commemorating the prior year's Stonewall Riots in New York City. And as we all know, in 2014, Illinois became the eighth and final state to legalize marriage equality by the vote of its legislature. It has not always been easy and it has not always been amicable, but Illinois has consistently been a landmark state for the march to full equality for LGBTQ plus people. We are not new. Our demands for justice are not new. We have been here since before the founding of Illinois and our aspirations that our dignity will be acknowledged have been here as long as we have. So, if we were to take a snapshot of the LGBTQ plus community in Illinois today, what would we see? Lesbians, gays, and bisexuals make up over 4% of the state population. Trans folks make up 0.5% of the state population. All in all, a half a million people uh, in Illinois identify as LGBTQ+. And in Chicago, we are even more represented. Over 7% of the city's population identifies as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. 0.5% identify as trans. Together, nearly 1 in 12 Chicagoans identifies as LGBTQ+, almost 150,000 of us. We are families. One out of four queer people in Illinois are raising children. We are younger. Only 8% of the LGBTQ plus population in Illinois is over 65. 8% compared to 21% of the non-LGBTQ plus population. And we are slightly more racially diverse. 42% of us identify as people of color compared to 38% of the general population. We are bold and beautiful and powerful in this city and in our state, but we are not yet fully equal. Equality Illinois, as the state's LGBTQ plus civil rights organization, spends a lot of time throughout Chicago and across Illinois listening to our community. In fact, We just wrapped up a months-long listening tour in service of our soon-to-be-released five-year strategic plan. We conducted town halls, interviews, and surveys, and we were obsessed with answering the question civil rights activist Ruby Sales used to ask, where does it hurt? Now, it would take too long to chronicle all the inequities staring down the LGBTQ plus community in Illinois. But over and over again, community members keep telling us about the injustices they face in three primary areas. The areas of pain most broadly and deeply felt. We face economic hardships that outpace the hardships our non-queer peers face. We are over and treated poorly in the American legal system, and we lack consistent access to adequate and affirming healthcare. So let me take these in turn. We are over criminalized. We are six times more likely to be stopped by the police. We are three times more likely to be incarcerated. We are less likely to call the police when we need help. 13% of LGB people and 56% of trans people decline to call the police when they need help. And 46% of queer Illinoisans report a negative interaction with police. And the stories behind these statistics are heartbreaking. There are stories of us being targeted in public and on the streets. There are stories of us being physically assaulted by law enforcement. There are stories of us being called homophobic slurs and trans slurs by police and correctional officers. And the weight of this leads a critical mass of our community to be deeply distrustful of the American legal system. In fact... When surveyed, the legal system is the place where we feel most unequal, outpacing even our experiences of inequality in houses of worship and in the immigration system. We lack sufficient access to adequate and affirming health care. 40% of LGBTQ Americans report a debilitating health condition And 53% of trans Americans report the same. Nearly a third of queer people in Illinois have attempted suicide, and that goes up to 42% of trans folks living in our country. And nearly a quarter of trans Illinoisans did not see a doctor in the previous year when they needed one because of the fear of being mistreated as a trans person. Now, I remember when I was in the southern part of the state in Carbondale having a community conversation, and so many people told me about their experiences getting adequate and affirming health care at Howard Brown Health. And I said, this is amazing. When did Howard Brown open up a satellite clinic in Carbondale? And they said they don't, at least not yet. They said they travel five hours each way just to find a doctor who will understand their needs and affirm their identity. And this story could be told about neighborhoods throughout the city, where even though places like Howard Brown are expanding rapidly into new communities, too many people have to travel too far to find adequate and affirming health care. We are less economically stable. Nearly a quarter of queer Illinoisans are food insecure, compared to 14% of our straight and cis peers. And 26% of LGBTQ plus Illinoisans earn less than $24,000 a year compared to 18% of our straight and cis peers. At Equality Illinois, we saw these economic disparities play out even more so when we were all hit with COVID because members of our community are less likely to earn a college degree and disproportionately work in the gig economy or in hospitality when the devastations of covid or really any public health or economic crisis hits too many in our community struggle to make rent or afford groceries and when you perpetuate this year over year the wealth and income gaps only widen there is no closing the wealth gap in this city without also closing the queer wealth gap in this city And all of these harms that I just spoke of are felt more intensely by certain communities within the broader LGBTQ plus community. We at Equality Illinois think of these as magnifying or overlapping identities. Because if the experience as walking as a queer person in Chicago is tough, and it is tough, it only becomes more challenging when you layer on top of that experience the experience of being a woman or a person of color, or living with a disability, or being trans, or being an undocumented immigrant, or, as is the case for many of us, holding multiple of these identities. Intersectionality means acknowledging the additional challenges and harms experienced when one holds multiple identities that are simultaneously under attack in America today. But this is not the full story of our harms, because we are experiencing these and all the other inequities while also being under attack. Anti-equality forces are coming after our most vulnerable. They are coming after us with bills like Don't Say Gay that refuse to allow children to acknowledge their own identities or the identities of their families. They are attacking our trans youth for seeking affirming health care or participating in sports. And despite what the radical anti-equality forces claim, this is not about teaching sexual orientation and gender identity in schools or to young children. Sexual orientation and gender identity is taught all the time. Our opponents are totally fine with the teaching of sexual orientation on TV or in schools, just not our sexual orientation. Our opponents are totally fine with the teaching of gender identity in the media or in classrooms, just not our gender identities. And this is grounded in their false belief that we are deviants, that we deserve to be pariahs, that we are owed little more than shame and hushed conversations. And I resoundly reject this We are co-equal members of our communities whose identities and families deserve to be honored and acknowledged in the same ways as others. But they are not just attacking our most vulnerable, they are clawing back at our rights. Many of us in this room are sitting on pins and needles waiting for the Dodds case to come out. And we know that this case, which very likely will repeal the rights guaranteed under Roe v. Wade, is both imminent and harmful. But it is also the first step in what the anti-equality right wants to do to claw back a broader set of rights. Texas Right to Life, which was the architect of the vigilante bills in Texas, filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court in Dodds that claimed very explicitly the news is not good for those who hope to preserve the court-invented rights to homosexual behavior and same-sex marriage. These rights, like the right to an abortion from Roe, are judicial concoctions, they claim. And there is no other law that can be invoked to salvage their existence once Roe falls. Everything hinges on a right to privacy. And we have protections for now in Illinois. But nationally, should our rights falter, the rights of LGBTQ people to freely travel and work in this country will be severely restricted. And if we lose those federal protections, it takes just one bad election in Illinois to wipe away all our protections. So... What are we at Equality Illinois, as the state's LGBTQ plus civil rights organization, doing to respond to all these inequities and fight back against all these attacks? We have a holistic approach to ensure our path to full equality. We focus on people, getting LGBTQ plus people into positions of public leadership with a particular focus on ensuring we sit on state boards and commissions, and that there is a pipeline of queer people trained and willing to run for public office. We focus on policy. We defend our hard-won gains fiercely. And we are on the hunt to eliminate laws that over-criminalize queer people, and lift up laws that will increase our access to a living wage and to accurate and affirming health care. We build power. We build power throughout the state in all the communities we call home. We invest and lift up local queer leadership across Illinois so that all decision makers feel accountable to their local LGBTQ leaders. And we strengthen our community. We work to broaden the pipeline of funding and support to queer founded and queer led groups working directly to redress the inequities queer people face every day. Look, I can't tell you what the world will look like a year from now, let alone five years from now. But I can tell you is that if queer people are at every table where decisions are made that impact our community, if we have good policies that affirm and protect us, if we are powerful in every ward, every district, and every county in which we live, and if we have the resources to tackle our most intransigent problems, there is nothing we can't accomplish as a community. So what can you do as individuals in this fight for full equality for LGBTQ plus people? Vote for pro-equality candidates. Don't go into a voting booth without knowing where those candidates stand on queer justice issues and only vote for people who are willing to support, affirm, and protect our dignity. Support queer-led, queer-founded groups doing the work. If you want to support groups led by queer people of color building the resiliency of the queer BIPOC community, Support Task Force, Life is Work, Affinity, Brave Space Alliance, or ALMA. If you want to support and strengthen the social service agencies meeting the health care and housing needs of our most vulnerable, support the Center on Halstead, Howard Brown Health, AIDS Foundation of Chicago, and Chicago House. If you want to meet the legal needs of our community and take our opponents to court, support the Transformative Justice Law Project and Lambda Legal. If you want to help educate the next generation of young people, support the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance and the Legacy Project. And of course, If you want to enshrine our civil rights and embolden our community's march to full equality, support Equality Illinois. Look, if this looks like a lot, it is. There are tons of opportunities to lift up queer justice and queer leaders doing this work. Or to look at it another way, given all the ways to get involved, there's just no excuse not to. (laughs) Finally, who is at your table? If you run a corporation, lead a foundation, head a government office, manage a large law firm, do you have queer people in leadership roles in your organization, on your boards, and on your senior leadership teams? If you're queer, I'm sorry. If your organizations are in Chicago, are queer people proportionally represented at that at least seven to eight percent level? If not. It's time to get intentional about that. You are missing out on incredible talent and an opportunity for incredible impact. And I will let you know that given all the barriers we face and have faced, queer people aren't going to accidentally end up in your leadership. (laughs) So why does this matter? Why is the march toward LGBTQ full equality so important? I think there's a narrow claim here that when we make the lives of 7% of Chicagoans better or fairer, we are advancing justice. And that is good. But I also think there's a broader claim here. We are all enriched when all of us, including LGBTQ plus people, are free. Imagine the cure for cancer lodged in the brain of a queer boy growing up in Bronzeville. Imagine the next great American novel growing in the heart of a trans Chicagoan in Austin. Imagine a future president of the United States being raised today by a gay couple in Ravenswood. Our lives are all made better when everyone is able to thrive unencumbered by inequities, unburdened by injustices. But I think there's an even deeper truth at play. Because at the heart of who we are as Chicago and as Illinois is the promise that our greatest potential is unleashed when we gather together across our collective differences to forge a common future. It is just who we are and who we claim to be. We are the inheritors of a city founded by a black immigrant man married to an indigenous woman. We are the inheritors of a state that over 150 years ago sacrificed more of her sons than any other state save one to hold together a splintering nation. We are the inheritors of a people who gave up our favorite son. A man who broke the bonds of slavery so all could be free. We are the inheritors of community built by men and women who put their own bodies up to be broken in Haymarket so that others could join in solidarity for a brighter future. We are the inheritors of a city that propelled the first black president into the White House on the promise to bring our entire nation together. We are certainly not perfect. Our toughness and our grit can too often tip into cruelty and violence. But we have been given a gift from our ancestors. A gift paid from their sweat and blood and broken bones. A gift that we can be a city whose example will shine across the globe. That we can build a common future on the big shoulders of all our diverse identities. So when we affirm the dignity and equality of LGBTQ plus people, we are living out the deepest part of Chicago's promise. And to do so takes a movement, a movement that is bigger than us. So let me close with a round of thanks. If you are a staff member, Board member or co-founder of Equality Illinois, will you please stand and stay standing. If you are an LGBTQ plus elected official, please join them and stay standing. If you are an allied elected official pushing for our full dignity, please join them and stay standing. If you invest your time or money to support Equality Illinois and our mission, please join us and stand. If you work for or support another LGBTQ plus group, please stand. If you are LGBTQ plus, please stand. If you love an LGBTQ plus person, please stand. And if you work with, worship with, or live in the same block as a queer person, please stand. Look around. This is the movement that will bring about full equality for LGBTQ plus people. And on behalf of my daughter, Joey, I thank you because you are working to make the love of Chicago big enough. You are working to make the embrace of Chicago wide enough to include whomever she will love and whoever she will grow to become. And my gratitude knows no Bound. May peace, grace, and love be yours in abundance. <laughs>
1: Would it have been to have Brian as your first grade teacher? <laughs> My first grade teacher wasn't that cool. <laughs> wow. That was something like church, kind mm-hmm. of, you know? I... Um, thank you so much, Brian. And um, if you were wondering why we did not do recognition, just because. Brian kind of stole the show with that, didn't he? (laughs) That was pretty cool. So thank you to everyone for being in the crowd today. I'm giving him a couple minutes just to kind of gather himself. And we have questions. It's going to be speed round. Great. I can do it. Okay. Um, Let's just start with James Anderson. Are you still in the room, James? Well, you had the audacity to check no in the membership thing. I thought that was pretty bold to start with.
2: <laughs>
1: but I'm going to ask your question anyway. <laughs> That's when you say, thanks, Jay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Just... So um, he says, what do you think of businesses, and he mentions one, that promote pride with rainbow flags on social media and then make campaign contributions to anti-gay
2: politicians?
1: We got a few of those today, so Um,
2: I mean, it's absolutely unacceptable, right? I mean, we are not a marketing ploy. We are not a community to be used to tell your employees you are just and to sell more product. Like, we deserve full justice and dignity. And that extends through everything that you do. And so if you're a business that says you support us and then you, uh, rescind your support of us because you're being attacked, or you invest, uh, with your political dollars in the sponsors of bills targeting us, um, we are on the move to find you out and to come for you because quite honestly, that is unacceptable.
1: So, some of the online questions have already been answered during the presentation, so I will save that. Um, I hope you were watching or listening and got your answer there. Um, Gail Morse from Jenner and Block, are you here by chance? Yay! We hear all the bad things happening around us. What are some of the good things and what gives you hope?
2: (laughs) <laughs> when we were doing uh, our listening tour and going around and, and doing extensive interviews and focus groups in town halls, the first question we always asked is, tell us what makes your community powerful and beautiful and strong. And we did that because I think too often uh, the focus on, on our community uh, can be viewed solely through the lens of our pathology or our trauma. And when we asked this question, first of all, it became clear not enough people are asking that question. And it's important that when we do social justice work, I will just say we don't jump just to the harms, right? We start and ground ourselves in the benefits and beauty. And over and over again, we heard similar stories. Our community is vibrant. Our community is resilient. Our community is exceptional exceptional at creating networks and senses of community across difference. And I think that is what gives me strength, that we have the ability, not that we should have to, but that we have the ability to withstand and push back against whatever comes from us because we are beautiful, strong, resilient, and connected.
1: Thank you. So Timothy O'Keefe, are you here, Timothy? No, Timothy. Oh, hi, Timothy. Yes, yeah, so you have a non member in your thing too i 'm really being nice today because usually you 're going to fix that you 're going to fix that before is, is that what he said He said that right okay uh, no pressure you guys I, I jokingly used to talk about that, but i 'm just happy that you 're here and everyone in the room actually. Um, as more people publicly identifying as LGBTQ+, we've seen the population double in the last seven years, and the last 10 years to 7.1, according to Gallup's poll. We hear equity and inclusion mentioned very often. Do you think that today the LGBTQ plus community is getting an equitable share of the funding? Good question.
2: No. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, when we see uh, when we see uh, snapshot studies, for example, of foundation philanthropy, when we see snapshot studies of uh, w- you know what small businesses are getting uh, municipal and state level contracts, we see that LGBTQ plus people and organizations are not actually getting our fair share, our represented share. The other way that I will say that is, it is very rare for a foundation or a local uh a local government to actually ask that question of uh of the groups that they are funding do you have queer people in leadership in your organization and as we know that's uh, equity in funding doesn't accidentally happen if it did we wouldn't be here right so if 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 you are a, a foundation officer, if you are a corporate giving officer, if you are running a municipal uh, office that helps to, to in, uh, invest with, with contractors and you're not asking the questions about LGBTQ plus people in the, in the organizations you invest in, I can guarantee that you're under investing in queer justice.
1: Victor Salvo is of the Legacy Project. Is the Legacy Project here today? <laughs> How do you feel the work of the Inclusive Curriculum Advisory Council of Illinois, ICACI? Is that, am I saying that right? Okay. In which both our organizations are heavily invested, might be able to proactively influence the national conversation on LGBTQ inclusive curriculum? Good question.
2: I love this law. This is a law that we worked with, the Legacy Project and the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance that uh, Senator Heather Stane shepherded through the General Assembly that made Illinois only the fifth state in the country. Fifth state in the country uh, to uh, require the teaching of LGBTQ plus history in schools. Uh, let, let me ask you all a quick question. How many of you all knew that Jane Adams was a lesbian? Okay, this is a knowledgeable crowd.
0: <laughs>
2: I remember talking to a legislator at the General Assembly who said when the bill was going through, I don't understand why we have to talk about the private lives of, of public officials. And I said, well, Representative, what was Abraham Lincoln's wife's name? And he was like, well, it was Mary Todd Lincoln. And I said, well, well what was Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife's name? He said, well, it was Coretta. And I said, well, What was Jane Addams's wife's name? Oh, I didn't know Jane Addams had a wife. And my point is exactly, right? We only talk about this concern of privacy when we're talking about queer people. And so I think what Illinois can demonstrate is that when you weave in a factual, honest, accurate assessment of who queer people are in history, kids are more knowledgeable or more ready to see a diverse future of leaders in and among their own ranks.
1: I uh, hope you guys took good notes. If you didn't, I am assuming Brian will be up here for questions a little bit later. Um, there were so many questions, but because the presentation was so thorough and so well thought out, several of them were already answered. So thank you for the questions that you submitted. Um, I just can't tell you, we are so grateful to have you here. <laughs>